Welcome in, welcome in. It's the Deep Cover Podcast. We are back at you, coming off of a week nine in the National Football League, where your Baltimore Ravens came out on top against the Minnesota Vikings, 34-31. Another overtime game. Was that third? Third overtime game this year? Is that right? I don't know. It feels like 10. I don't know. <laughs> Every week. <laughs> <laughs> Game. Yeah, I think it's right. I think that's the third one because you had the Raiders, uh, you had the Colts, and then I think this was it because Detroit did not go to overtime. He kicked that at the end of regulation, I believe. So I think this was the third one. But, hey, it was one of those games where the Ravens were trailing, kind of a little bit of a slow start, as we've seen, and then they just battled their way back. And uh, we're able to, to get the win at the end there. So we'll talk about all of that. Uh, maybe look a little bit ahead, uh, quickly ahead to the Thursday night game against the Dolphins. Short turnaround, uh, two games in five days. But that's the way the schedule is right now. But before we do any of that, check in with the guys, Chris and Kerry. As usual, I'll start with you. Kerry, how you doing, man? I'm doing all right, man. You know, glad to pull out the win. I'll be thankful that this team. Hopefully give us some less stressful games down the stretch. Um, I'm not going to hold my breath that that's going to happen, but hoping for it. But, you know, at the end of the day, I'm glad to be talking to you guys about a win uh, rather than a loss. Yeah, because it was, it was looking shaky uh, early in that game. It was looking iffy for sure. So it's always good. We can talk about wins. Uh, Chris, how are you doing, man? You must have had the candle, the bobblehead. It must have all been working. Uh, Everything. <laughs> Everything. I had every good luck charm, man. I, I I was praying and hoping, and the team did it again, man. So, you know, like Kerry said, man, I'm happy that we're we're here talking about a win and not about a, a letdown uh, coming, out, coming out off of the bye because we know this team has been hot when they, they have that bye, so – I'm glad we don't have to go down that road, and I'm glad we don't have to fire every coach and bench every player that we have. So <laughs> I'm glad they got this one. Man, early in that game, if you were on Twitter uh, and, and following Ravens fans early in that game, we we had everybody fired. Wink was gone. Roman was gone. Uh, maybe Harbs. I don't know. Uh, some, somebody might have had him gone, too. Uh, but it was it was not a pretty it was not pretty out there in the Ravens Twitter streets early in this game. And, you know, the, the game itself wasn't pretty. Uh, you know, I mean, the Ravens got on the board first with the field goal. But then you had to just uh, the Justin Jefferson 50 yard touchdown. Um, you know, Dalvin Cook had a long run in there that set up another touchdown, a little short uh, one yard touchdown by Cousins. And, you know, next thing you know, it's 17 to three. And you're like, man, this is uh, this has gotten out of hand quickly, <laughs> like real, real quickly. Right. And then the Ravens get a uh, they get a they get a touchdown. Right. They, they get a little drive. I guess the that might have been the drive where they got the pass interference. Um, Bateman drew the pass interference right before uh, halftime. Yeah. And then they got the uh, touchdown to Freeman little throw to Devontae Freeman. And then they come out of halftime, 98-yard kickoff return. <laughs> <laughs> the crib. To the crib. 
now it's 24 to 10. And I'm like, man, just because, you know, going, they got the touchdown before the half at 17, 10. I'm thinking, all right, all right, we got this thing on track now. We're good. We're good. And then touchdown, you know, the kickoff return, touchdown. You're like, damn, maybe, maybe it's just one of those days. But they continued to battle. And that's what they've done all year, man. That's really what this team has done. Aside from the Bengals game, uh, that, that's what this team has done all year. Just keep fighting, keep fighting, keep finding a way to keep, themselves in games and give themselves opportunities to make plays get there at the end and then you know find a way to seal the deal at the end but uh i'll i'll start with you on this uh carrie i know you were out of town and you you fortunately uh you said you got to see like the overtime uh that's when things were actually you know turning a little bit more in the raven's favor but uh what do you think about, you know, what you were able to see from the game, if you had a chance to watch the game afterwards and just kind of your overall thoughts on, you know, another nail biter? Yes, I, ha- I had a chance to go back and watch it. And two things stuck out to me, um, just the resilience of this. Um, you know, we joke about how stressful it is to be a Ravens times, But if you just look at the team they were facing – and the Vikings, the Vikings are a team that can run the football, they can throw the football, they have talent on both sides, but they haven't shown resiliency. And so that's why their situation has been kind of capped because of that. You know, we see them time and time again, you know, miss field goals at the end of games, you know, can't make the big play at the end of games. There's a lot of teams like that, man. Vikings. Uh, the Chargers have been that way for years that we know of. I mean, you can go down the list. There's a lot of teams that that don't have that resiliency to kind of pull out these wins. You know, that that level of resiliency and and being able to kind of, um, you know, not get it, get too off by the peaks and valleys of the game, that, I think that's a skill. And you see the best teams and best organizations have that skill. So that stood out to me. And then – also, something that um, was kind of complained about um, during the Ravens' uh, last loss to the Bengals that I saw in this Vikings game, and I saw a lot of plays being made off of it, is Lamar holding on to the ball and making plays. You know, whether it be guys draped on them, um, you know, jump passes, however he had to get it done, he was getting it done. And so I saw him stepping up into pressure knowing he was going to get hit. Um, You know, I saw him uh, absorb contact in the, um, you know, in the running game, uh, you know, getting solid gains. So, you know, just a reminder for people, you know, the guy's special. The guy's just a special playmaker. And when you have that kind of ability, um, your imagination is a little bit more than the average player. So, you know, stuff that we see and look at and say, hey, you probably shouldn't try that. Well, we aren't Lamar, and there's not many Lamar on this planet. So he's a guy that can see a lane, say, hey, I can make that play. So, you know, you have to kind of balance it and and give him room to just be him. Now, that's going to lead to, you know, maybe taking a sack here and there, those kind of things. But uh, as you saw the way he, um, you know, wheeled his team back, he just kept making play after play after play after play uh, until the end of the game, and, you know, they pulled it out. But, you know, that doesn't happen if you try to uh, temper his uh, approach as a player. 
Yeah, he's he's got that thing that all great players seem to have where you like you said it best, you have to give them the freedom to express themselves on the football field, whether that's Ed Reed, you know, sometimes you're like, no, 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 yes, 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 <laughs> you know, in terms of the way that he's breaking on balls or he gets an interception and he's trying to lateral it. Or, you know, maybe he thinks he sees something and it, it turns out that it really wasn't that. And so he's kind of out of position on that play. But more times than not, you know, it pays off, right? Just because of the preparation, because of their ability, because of their um, just that intuition that they have on the field in games. And you just have to allow them to express that. And like you said, it's a balance. It's, it can be a tricky balance because when it doesn't work, then, you know, you get the flip side of it, of why, like you said, people, you know, he's holding the ball too long. He's got to get the ball out of his hands. Look, he had this guy open. He had that guy open. You know, he could have just checked it down. That's the flip side of that, um, right, kind of the, the negative. But on the other side, like you said, you will have games like this where, to your point, uh, if you look at their last, if you look at it by drives and you look at like their, I think they had like 12 drives. Obviously, this game went to overtime, so there's a lot of drives. But like their last, let me count one, two, three, four, five. Yeah, their last five drives of regulation. It was touchdown, 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 touchdown into regulation. Right. And then um, obviously that first possession in OT, he throws an interception, but defense gets a stop. They get the goal, they get the ball back and they drive down and make a field goal. So you think about that, right? Five of your last, you know, eight possessions, no, six of your last eight possessions end in points, regardless of how it started out. And, you know, you just have to let, you know, guys who have that kind of playmaking ability express it. So let me get to you on that, Chris. You can speak on that point or anything else that you took away from the game. Man, just the 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 resilience of the team. Like I feel like we say it every week, but that's special to have on this team where you know you come and you, you come right before half and you score a touchdown and you get close and you're like, all right, we're back in this. And then like you said, they run back for a touchdown on the on the uh the the kickoff after halftime. And how many teams would just, you know, put their heads down and just be like, damn, it's just everything's going wrong. It's not our day today. And maybe we won't see the kind of effort. But with this team, it's like they're never out of it, like no matter what. They all right, that team ran it back. All right, cool. We're going to go out and score. You know, it's it's not done. It's not over yet. Like Marcus Peter was, we ain't done yet. I think mm -hmm. we ain't done. So – and that's kind of the, the mantra that this team has is no matter how it looks, no matter how dire the situation is, it's not done. And, you know, that that this is going to help them in the future. Like come playoff time, this is going to help them because they've been down in the playoffs before and they didn't know how to respond to it. And I forgot who it was that brought this up. But Lamar didn't play. He didn't finish out that game against the Bills. Maybe it's a different result if he's able to finish that game because the Lamar that we're seeing this year, he's finishing out, he's closing out games. He's the closer. You know, he's he's doing the Mariano Rivera right now, and he's shutting these games down. So uh, hopefully it's a sign of good things to come, and, and this is just building character for the whole team. So it, it's, it's fun to see, 
uh, afterwards, not during. During is not fun to watch because, <laughs> you know, you have a heart attack throughout the game and you're like, damn, man, they're about to lose. They just came off the bye. They had the embarrassing loss to the Bengals and this is how they show up. But now that we're here and we know that they won, it's fun to watch. <laughs> like I could watch those highlights. I'd be like, oh, that was cute. You know, that Lamar threw that little interception to Anthony Barr. That's cute. <laughs> but um, yeah, man. So like I said, this this is all all lessons and, and building blocks to hopefully propel this team into the playoffs. Yeah, we can definitely sit back and laugh at it now. We weren't laughing during the <laughs> When when Anthony when Anthony Barr caught that ball, I was like, "Damn, it's over." <laughs> but no, props to James Irvin. Props to James Irvin because on the Ravens Wired episode, Lamar was down on the bench and James Irvin was in his ear. He was like, "We're gonna get a stop and we're gonna win this game." And sure enough, they got. I mean, you know, of course, that's what he's gonna say. He's not gonna be like, "Yeah, man, we lost." <laughs> but uh, you know, to you know, build his quarterback up, who you know, visibly down. It's like, no, man, we're going to get the ball back and we're going to win this thing. And you can tell that they do believe in him. Like you said, I mean, some of that is like, okay, well, what do you expect your coach to say, right? You you think he's going to come over there and be like, that's a wrap, man. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) You you expect him to kind of encourage you and keep you up. But I've heard players who have been on, like, losing teams for, like, you know, a number of seasons say, hey, there were times in games where we just knew it was over. There was no way we were coming back. There was no way we were in the game. He's like, there were times coming into the game, we were like, we ain't gonna win this game. And so, you know, there might have been one on the other sideline. Yeah, very true. Yeah, because it 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 doesn't it doesn't look like they you know they have the utmost confidence in Kirk Cousins in those kinds of situations. Even though he did throw that touchdown to Thielen at the at the end of the the fourth quarter, but the same confidence that the Ravens players have and the Ravens coaching staff has and Lamar, you don't really see that in Kirk Cousins. Mm-mm. No, that you can tell that that team, the players, the coaches, they believe in Lamar. We've seen it game after game, right? Where they're just like, Hey, if Lamar thinks we can do it, we can do it. You know, yeah. uh, he, he is, he has become the leader in that way. Right. When maybe, his rookie year, even into that 2019 season, he was still kind of looking towards veterans like Marshall Yonda and stuff like that, right? To say, hey, I want to do it, but what do you think? You think we should do it? And now he's completely grown into that role, and the rest of the team believes him, and, you know, they'll they'll follow that dude anywhere, man. So um, it's – it's we're, we're so spoiled that we, we have the ability to watch this guy and see what we're seeing because I, I don't know that we can fully appreciate it, right now because it's happening you know sometimes you need time you know the passage of time and, and things and happen and then you can kind of look back and say wow we really saw something special back then because as time goes on you don't see it again for a number of years and so you're like wow that was even like you knew it was good you're like this is even more special than i realized even back then so uh i'm just i feel fortunate that we we get a chance to watch this guy play in this team um, unfortunately, everything um, wasn't good in this game. Uh, Deshaun Elliott, the guy, as you you guys know, near and dear to my heart, guy who I thought coming into this year uh, had an opportunity to have kind of a breakout year. Um, you know, I think a torn pec, 
torn pec muscle. Um, yeah, torn pec. Yeah. Out for the season. And looked like he probably tore it or at least injured it earlier in the game and kept playing. And, uh, you know, probably, probably, you know, did, did further damage to it. Now, I'm not a doctor. I don't know that for sure. But I think there was a play where he had made kind of like a diving tackle at Cook. And it, it got up and it looked like it wasn't right then. But he stayed in the game and he kept playing until, you know, it got to a point where he, he just couldn't anymore. Uh, but that's a big loss. That's a really big loss. And I want to start with you, Chris, on how you think they adjust and adapt with the other guys that they have uh, to, to try to step into that role. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they, it sucks about Deshaun because just as far as the team, you could tell he's the vocal leader of that secondary. He's a guy that's pumping the other guys up and he, he's the, the attitude of that, that secondary. I know we have Chuck who's, he's kind of like the quiet reserve, you know, uh, follow my lead and, and you know you won't hear from me that much but you follow what I say and kind of one of those kind of leaders and then Deshaun he's the vocal guy so you lose that aspect of it but then you also lose a guy who you know he's he works well with Chuck Clark and we we know how that marriage between the two safeties can work I mean we saw it for years with Dewan Landry and and Ed Reed you know, it, it has to be a, a marriage and they have to kind of fit together. They don't have to be the same kind of players, but they have to, you know, they they kind of have to balance each other out in a way. And we we saw that synergy between them. And now most likely going to have to go to Brandon Stevens, who's a rookie and he's very new to the position. So he's learning a new position while in the NFL facing the best players in the world. So there are going to be some hiccups. There are going to be some struggles. Uh, but from what we've seen from him, I don't think it's going to be a disaster or anything like that. Uh, there are going to be misplays, of course. I mean, Marlowe gets beat every now and then. So, you know, there's always going to be some kind of breakdowns or, or a missed tackle here. But, I mean, it's, this is going to be the growing pains for him. And we could be watching the starting safety for the Ravens for the 2022 starting safety with Brandon Stevens. So we're kind of getting a sneak peek of what we might be in store for next year if they don't bring Elliott back, who's going to be a free agent. You just kind of hurt my heart with that right there, but I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna soldier on. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was painful to hear those words. <laughs> but hey, he might be back. Hey, the injury, the injury might be a blessing in disguise for the 2022 season. He might be back on a cheaper deal. Yeah. I understand the business side. Trust me. I, I understand. Yeah. He may, um, not him per se, but the market may, you know, make it uh, difficult uh, for the Ravens to to bring, bring him back. So, uh, you know, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. We still got the rest of this season to get through, and there'll be plenty of time for, you know, free agency and, and all of that stuff during the offseason. But, um, I'll turn to you on it now, Kerry. How do you think uh, they adjust? Um, you know, they got some other guys uh, who can kind of step in. And I think Harbaugh talked about it at a presser earlier this week where he sees kind of a rotational approach. Um, but maybe it's one of those those things where some guy like Greg Roman likes to always say, you want somebody to grab the brass ring. Maybe one guy kind of steps in and, and grabs the ring. Or, or do you think it'll be kind of a committee approach? Yeah, I think it'll be. I think it'll be some of the approach. I do think they'll give Steven 
kind of first run and, um, you know, allow him a chance to take the job and run with it. Um, but again, he's, you know, a rookie, um, you know, still going through some growing pain. So I can see in kind of high leverage situations, third and long kind of situation, I can see Jimmy being the guy back there, um, you know, especially with Westry on his way back. Um, uh, to add to that cornerback group, I can see, you know, definitely on Jimmy that way. Um, but I think some other guys are mixed in. Like, I can see Geno Stone mixing in, you know, closer to the line of scrimmage, you know, doing some of those things. Um, so I do think it'll be sort of a committee, but I think they'll give Stevens that first opportunity to try to, um, you know, see what he can what he can do if he can take the job and run with it. Because like Chris alluded to, um, you know, Deshaun Elliott is going to be a free agent at the end of the year. And yeah, this this um, this injury probably heightens the chances that the Ravens can get him back at a more manageable number. There's still no guarantee. You know, he's put enough on tape where someone may be willing to to take that chance anyway. So, you know, the Ravens, um, you know, behooved them to see what they have in, in Stevens to see, you know, if he's a guy that regardless of what happens with the market, if he's a guy that they can roll with next year as that starting safety. So I think they're going to give him a chance to, to, to try to do that. And one thing we know they have experience with this year, it is having to replace players due to injury. Um, <laughs> they got a ton of guys who are out for the season this year and, uh, you know, some of that happened during the preseason. Some of that happened during the earlier part of this season. And, you know, you you have to have other guys come in and step into those roles, whether it's one guy or a group of guys, and find a way uh, to to get through games and find a way for guys to, to you know, do those jobs and, and help, whether it's on offense or defense, right? So, and we've seen this. We got a little, Chris, you mentioned it earlier, Deshaun Elliott being out in the Colts game earlier. And we got to see Brandon Stevens play a larger role in that game. Um, and we've seen Geno Stone, you know, going back to the preseason. And uh, now it looks like you mentioned it. You mentioned him too, Kerry, that he he may get uh, a few more opportunities now. And then Jimmy, you know, we've seen him in this hybrid role a lot this year, hybrid corner kind of safety role. And now, you know, he's he's maybe going to slot in a little bit more into that one of those safety roles. But you never know with the way that they, you know, do things on defense. Maybe they'll shuffle the deck in some kind of way that we haven't seen yet, you know, and and and, and come out with some packages that we're like, oh, didn't didn't see that coming. Didn't see them, you know, coming coming out with that kind of look. So it's the one thing about Wink. You just never know, um, you know, what you're what you're going to get in that regard. But uh, I don't feel like. Uh, as much as I'm going to miss Deshaun on a personal level, because I was really excited for him to have, you know, that, that, that kind of breakout year that I was hoping for. Uh, I do like Brandon Stevens a lot. Um, you know, me and Denar Melton over there at the Fire Zone show talked about him a lot coming out of SMU and just how he looked so natural as a DB, even though he had not been playing DB for that long. Uh, you know, he'd been running back at UCLA and transferred to SMU and walked on. Uh, to to try to become a DB there. So um, I think he had played some back in high school, but, you know, hadn't, hadn't maybe done it in games. I think he even talked about doing doing it some in practice at UCLA, but hadn't done it in games until he transferred to SMU. And he just looked natural. You know, he just looked very fluid the way that he moved. 
you knew that there was going to be some technique stuff, you know, that he was going to have to work on and obviously learning um, the Ravens scheme. And then, like you said, Chris, uh, playing against the best players in the world as you're trying to learn all this. So we knew that there was going to be a curve for sure. Uh, but I'm, I'm confident in him. And, and, and part of me is excited to see uh, Geno Stone as well, too, to kind of see, because, you know, going back to the year that uh, he came out, we were big fans of his and, you know, we're really hoping that he would make the team. He's kind of been with the team, been away from the team, back to the team. And uh, it seems like there's something there in their eyes with him, you know, something that they want to continue to try to develop. And so I'm looking forward to seeing him get some opportunities as well. Uh, anything else you guys want to touch on on this Vikings game? Uh, yeah, I want to hit on uh, Hollywood because hmm. I, I feel like Hollywood is finally getting the respect that he deserves. And uh, actually, you know what? I want to pass this one off to Kerry because earlier in the week, I, I you know, had to because I'm just thinking like I'm seeing all this love for Hollywood from all the Ravens fans. And I'm like, Man, if only these people saw what folks were saying to Kerry when he was like, the pick should be Hollywood. Like, it's clear as day it should be Hollywood. And the amount of people that were coming after Kerry for this, it was just, I mean, I didn't even agree with with Kerry, but I wasn't like, no, like, you're, you're dumb for that. No, like, I, I was just like, eh, I don't really see it. They won't build a bully. He's a little guy. He's coming off of an injury. He got a screw in his foot foot uh, i don't know i don't think so but carrie was like hey man he could bring something to this offense so i want carrie to talk about hollywood yeah man so when in the draft process when i looked at the way they were constructed i knew he didn't fit necessarily the way they were constructed but when i looked at i, I looked straight at the chiefs i looked at a dynamic quarterback Having a wide receiver that creates separation, that uh, you know, get down the field and create, um, you know, basically like a natural seven box, but you know, you really uh, bring guys up the box. You know, you have somebody like that. So to me, it was the, the quickness, the speed, the um, elusiveness of of rip before I even, like, dug really deep into him. But then I started watching, and I just started watching the way he moved, the way he separated. And I thought he was kind of sneaky down the field, uh, you know, at the catch point and things like that. I remember just one day just staying, and it it wasn't like a hot take or anything like that. I was just kind of like, why aren't people talking about Hollywood Brown as the wide receiver player? Of course, everybody jumped on me, started naming this guy that guy. (laughs) And I was like, ooh, like, you guys can have your opinion, but I have mine too. And I kind of just stuck with it. The wide receiver went class to me. And, you know, even if he you know, doesn't reach that level or whatever, like, to me, there's no denying that this guy's a really, really good football player. And for some reason, people kind of decide every time he drops a pass or two or, you know, doesn't make a play or, you know, whatever it takes to be, um, you know, people kind of jump to uh, that bus label or, you know, he's not really Hollywood and this and that. But this is a really productive player, man. Like, you know, even in his his failures, he's still making plays within those. Now, if he made some other plays that, you know, 
few drop touchdowns. I mean, we'd be talking about, you know, wide receiver one in the league, wide receiver one in fantasy, all these things. Um, but, you know, this is a guy that's been very productive and I always point back to look at his numbers in the playoffs. You know, when the pressure is on, when the lights are the brightest, look and see what this guy is doing. And, you know, I, I'm glad that, that he's playing well and people are, 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 you know, starting to kind of show him respect. And you see less of the the negative and less of the bust stuff. You know, within all that, just remember you first. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Let him know. Not only did you say it first, you had the courage to stick with your conviction. No matter what, no matter what people were saying, no matter the other names that people were throwing out there, the size, the injury, you didn't waver. You stuck through it the entire time. I admit, I was I was cowardly. I liked him, but I was like, oh, I can't, I can't say it. I can't say it like Carrie saying it. So <laughs> I, I was cowardly. I was. I mean, the one thing I know, yeah, I think we talked about it a little bit was like the one thing that was just like apparent and we've heard even T Martin talk about it is his ball tracking. I mean, he's, he's one of the the, the best that I've seen uh, just in terms of looking at guys coming out of college, looking at wide receivers. I mean, just his ability to track the deep ball is, is, is uncanny just how natural and how comfortable he looks doing it. But I was late. I was very late to it. Uh, Gary was certainly ahead of the curve and, I, I remember looking last year because I was like, man, let me let me really take a deep look now um, at what's going on. And so I took like a six or seven game sample in 2020. Just looked at his routes, right? All of his routes, whether he got targeted or not. Just looked at everything. And the big takeaway was throw him the ball. It was opportunity. Like if he gets opportunities, he's going to make plays. You could see it. Right. And like you said, there were, you know, drops here and there. And of course, people want to seize on that because they go back to the the soldier quote and all that stuff. And I'm like, look, mm-hmm. that's part of playing receiver. Right. And you're, you're going to have drops. You're going to drop some balls. That's just part of it. Um, but when I looked at those targets and even the non targets where he actually was open and, you know, had created separation, maybe wasn't part of the progression, whatever you can see if you just get this guy the ball. He's going to make plays. And so I think they've certainly made, uh, I think, more of a concerted effort this year to get him the ball in different ways, not just those deep targets down the field. Obviously, those are there, always going to be a part of his game. But we're starting to see kind of more of the short and intermediate stuff now. Because one thing about guys with tremendous speed, we used to say this about Torrey Smith, is they should be open on like comeback, stop routes, whatever you want to call them, curls you shouldn't be able to cover them on those routes because of that speed, right? Those should be open like all day, every day, if you choose to throw those kinds of routes. And you're starting to see him run more of those kinds of routes now. You're starting to see the bubble screens and the perimeter screens and him making people miss uh, or running through a little bit of contact and then you know accelerating and showing that speed after the play. So for me, that sample that I did, that little, just that little six or seven games, it wasn't even like I looked at that many games. You could just see it so clearly. Like, hey, if you get this guy the ball, he's going to make plays. This is what this is about. This is not about him not being able to make plays or he can't live up, you know, to, you know, what, what he had in terms of hype coming out of Oklahoma because he was, he had some crazy number of like 40 yard plus 
catches uh, while he was at Oklahoma, <laughs> something ridiculous. But you knew it wasn't going to be like that because it's the NFL. But I knew that uh, from watching those plays, I was like, if they just get him the ball more, this guy can be a dynamic playmaker. I'm, I'm through with the labels. I'm not getting in wide receiver one. But it doesn't even mean anything. It's just, do you have playmakers? And can you find ways to get them the ball and get them in opportunities for them to do what they do? And he's that guy. They've added more guys, Bateman, Watkins, obviously Andrews, you know, does his thing. That's all I care about. I don't care about these damn labels of one, two, X, Z. I don't care about any of that. <laughs> it has its place. Uh, the the like X and Z stuff, why you know that has its place because you know guys do have to fit in somewhere in the design of a play, and you got to tell guys where to go, what position they're playing. But for what we're talking about in terms of like production and whether a guy can be good, how effective he can be in the offense, none of those labels mean anything to me. They're just they're just words. Um, well, let me let me ask you a question, Mike. So for going into twenty twenty two season, who's going to be the number one wide receiver then, Bateman or Hollywood? <laughs> you put me on the spot. <laughs> Equal. <laughs> and I can't I can't I can't make a call. They're both equal. <laughs> you know it's gonna come. Oh, oh yeah. it's certainly gonna come. As it as is it's been coming already. I think you know, you 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 start to see hear little whispers. But people, oh, you know, it's Bateman. He, he's going to be a wide receiver one. He's going to take over. Or what? Hey, who cares? Who cares? Like I said, it's a label, right? We just want to get guys to all make catches, make plays, score points. You know, yep. that's what it's about. You can call whatever. Who cares? It's a label that, can't, that people can't really clearly quantify either. Because if you ask 10 people what is one wide receiver, you're probably going to get 10 different. So to your point, Mike, like I said, can the guy make play? Does he influence defensive coordinators, uh, you know, line of thinking when they're calling play? That's that's what I'm looking for. You know, if the talent level is there, um, you know, if they uh if they're influencing the defensive coordinators uh decision because of their ability, you know, that's what I care about more than you know, whatever that like clearly when you have a Lamar and you have a Hollywood on the field at the same time. At any given time, challenge every single blade of grass on that field. So, you know, that's that bad. Yeah, and then yeah. the crazy thing about that is that they their fourth option in the offense is their first round wide receiver. <laughs> like, and it's not, we, Mike and I were talking about this before we started recording. This is not just a regular rook, rookie wide receiver. The way Bateman plays is he plays like he's been in the league for about four or five years already. Just the the attitude that he has, the way he was able to just walk in pretty much with no time with Lamar and just take off. And he, I mean, he's missed the first down right now where every catch is getting it's the first down. And he had some highlight real catches uh, on, on Sunday against the, the Vikings. And it's like, we're seeing this from him now. So, it's it's gonna be tough, man. And then once these, you know, once they get their running backs back, J.K. and and Gus, this is gonna be a crazy, crazy offense for defensive coordinators to try to stop. Yeah, sky's the limit. 
sky's the limit because we know what kind of talent Lamar is. We've seen what Lamar I, I thought about this earlier this week and I, I, I was almost I had to catch myself because I was using the word ceiling. Like we've seen the ceiling when Lamar has an offensive line, right? 2019 MVP, unanimous MVP. But I was like, no, we don't even know if that's the ceiling. We 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 just <laughs> we don't know what the ceiling can be. The ceiling because, is yeah, the roof with this guy. <laughs> exactly. Because yeah, he had the offensive line that year, but he had nowhere near the weapons at the skill positions that he has now. So you combine these guys with continuity and you know stability on the offensive line. We, we don't know what to see. We we have not seen the ceiling yet. And look, we're getting ready to talk about this Miami game. I think coming up Thursday night football. I'll just say this: as we think back to that 2018 Miami game, Hollywood goes four for what 147 and two TDs. What do you think the Dolphins called him? I what well, obviously one. Well, I don't know what they called him. But he lit the ass on fire. But uh, you know, the, the proof was in the pudding in that game. So call him whatever you want. He uh he dominated you in that game. Uh, so it kind of is what it is there. But yeah, last call. Uh we'll do last call in the Vikings game before we we do, you know, move on to that Miami game. Any anything else we want to touch on there? I'm good. I think I think we got it. I think that's it going once going twice sold uh okay so thursday night football quick turnaround right just played uh an overtime game ton of snaps against the vikings on sunday here they are thursday night football going down to south florida but like lamar said he said earlier in his presser hey i love football man so i'm good you know they asked him about the quick turnaround how do you feel he's like i don't know about any of that i love football so i'm ready to roll <laughs> uh yeah. So South Florida, obviously homecoming for him, Hollywood, shoot, Sammy, uh, <laughs> a bunch of dudes on that team. Uh, where this is kind of like a homecoming for them. So they're probably pretty, you know, jacked up about that, wanting to kind of put on a show in front of friends and family down there. Dolphins, you know, uh, coming off of a win um, recently, but, but, you know, up until that point, it had been kind of a struggle. Uh, for the Dolphins this year. So I'll start with you, Chris. Uh, I'll admit I haven't really uh, watched the Dolphins too, too closely. I may have seen a game or two. Uh, I haven't done like a deep dive or anything yet. I might try to watch them uh, tomorrow during the day before before the game tomorrow night. But uh, what are your thoughts about this game? Uh, So it's looking like they're not going to face Tua for this game. It it looks like it's going to be Jacoby Brissett making the start. Uh, that's what the some of the reports were coming out that that's what the Dolphins were preparing for to have Brissett as their starter. So that's something that bodes well for the Ravens because uh, although Brissett, you know, he's one of the best backups you could have in the NFL, but he's not a guy that's going to really attack you down the field. He's going to be a take what the defense gives him kind of guy. He, he's not going to take many chances either. So that bodes well for the Ravens and also. They have one of the worst offensive lines in the leagues, which is I was talking in in our group chat uh, a few days ago. Is it just it doesn't make sense how their offensive line is so bad because they have so many individually talented players on there, but they just can't get get it together as a unit. So this might be a game where those almost sacks that we've been seeing from the defensive line 
where they actually get those sacks this game because, like I said, you look at almost every metric and this is one of the bottom dwellers as far as offensive line play is concerned. So that's something I'm excited to see is is how the, the defense, the defensive line mainly is able to, to get after Brissett here. Definitely has the feel uh, on paper. Again, you got to play on these paper. games. On paper. On paper. You got to play these games. But it definitely has the feel of one of those get right kind of sack games, like you said, to your point where you've been close, haven't been able to come away with sacks in, in some of these other games. But this this looks like this sets up pretty well for that. Kerry, uh, let me go to you. Uh, short turnaround. We talked about, you know, the overtime game against the Vikings. But like I said, South Florida, got a lot of South Florida dudes starting with QB1 on this team. So, you know, they're going to be pretty excited for this. Uh, what do you think about this game? Yeah, kind of piggybacking on um, what Chris said, I think he summed up um, Kobe Brissett pretty well as far as what he brings to the table. Um, he's a guy that's not really going to um, challenge the field down the field, but he's also not going to really put the ball in harm's way a lot. Um, he's more of a um, kind of see it, throw it kind of guy, not really going to participate as much. Um, so, you know, with those things, I think the Ravens can do things with front, and if they're able to, to kind of get some pressure, um, though he's not a guy that's going to to challenge things too much, push the envelope too much, just the fact that he's more of a see it, throw it guy, I think they can maybe force him into mistakes if they uh, so I'm looking forward to seeing you know, pressure they can generate and they kind of force some mistakes. Uh, looking at this uh, Dolphins team, um, I'm concerned with my sticky. You know, I, you know, really, really talented. You know, tight end has given Ravens trouble. Um, you know, it started off early in the year where they were just playing really, really talented tight ends. And so it was tough to tell, you know, with the production they were giving up, whether it was just uh, the tough starting schedule or whether it was kind of an issue. Well, I think we've seen <laughs> the last few games, it might be kind of an issue more than it might be talent. So, you know, Gasicki is one of those guys that, to me, can make splash plays, um, you know, as well as any other tight end in the league because he has that level of athleticism and, uh, you know, ability to, uh, you know, get up in the air and make plays at the catch point, you know, run by people. So, uh, you know, a guy I think they want to have a plan for. You know, we've seen Jimmy line up against uh, Waller and do some of those things. I think they should show Gasicki that same kind of respect, kind of give him that same treatment in high leverage situations, uh, even though he's not the caliber of a player of a Waller um, is just that, you know, they don't have too many home run kind of guys in this offense or, or situations where you can, where you feel confident that a guy is going to make a huge play. But Gasicki is one of those guys that can make a huge play. So I, I think, you know, when it all boils down to it, like I said, in those high leverage third down situations, they need to be playing, paying close attention to him. Um, other than that, um, I feel really good about uh, where they are. I mean, this Dolphins defense, I mean, their pass defense is, is talented, uh, but I think they've kind of uh, underachieved as a pass defense. Um, so, you know, I, I, I like where the Ravens uh, 
offenses going in the passing game. So hopefully they can continue to build on that. Um, but again, uh, you know, as we're talking here with all these, these different pleasantries and stuff like that, uh, the Ravens are going to absolutely come out and go down 17 nothing before <laughs> we see some kind of miracle come back. <laughs> I can't take another one, especially especially five days later. You know, it's too soon. It's too soon. We can't take another one. Man, you talked about their past defense. I almost forgot about that report uh, they leaked about, you know, um, possibly a trade with Xavier Howard coming to the Ravens. Man, he's – He's going to be looking if, – if things go the way that we – if the game goes the way that we think it could go, he's got to be looking over there at the Ravens like, damn, I could have been there, man, instead of <laughs> here on this, uh, on this team. <laughs> but, again, to your point, we don't know, right? On paper, everything looks like this should be a comfortable win. Every time that I think any of us have felt that way, uh, the game has gone opposite. Is a hundred percent gone the opposite way, and you know maybe we're overthinking it this time. Maybe this is one of those times where it's like, yeah, 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 I hear you, I hear you, but not not this time. I don't know. Uh, to me, it just it's got a little bit of that trap gaminess to it. Not that not trap game, and that the Ravens would be overlooking the Dolphins because I don't I don't think that's the case at all. I think that they they understand. You know, it's the NFL. You can't overlook anybody. Um, you got to prepare every week for everybody. But just that. Like I said, you're coming off that overtime game. You're going on the road. Um, you know, quick turnaround. Don't have your normal schedule, your normal rest. Those kinds of things um, kind of make me, you know, a little bit nervous about it. Um, but you know, we'll see. We'll see. It should be. It should be exciting. It should be fun. Part of me wants to say that Wink is gonna, you know, unleash hell. And because, you know, to, to Chris's point, if you've got a, a struggling offensive line, um, the one thing that he is really good at is it almost makes me think of that. When was it? Was it 2019? Might have been 2019. The Texans game. Um, or maybe it was 2020. I can't remember now. But they played the Texans in Baltimore. I don't remember which season that was. And that offensive line just looked dazed and confused, man. I mean, <laughs> Wink had guys coming from everywhere guys were looking at each other like that's never a good sign when all these linemen <laughs> look at each other right instead of looking at the defense <laughs> and the guys are running by them while they're looking at each other he just had guys dazed and confused so uh i hope that they can can find themselves in that situation where you have an offensive line that's struggling and you know you can do some of the things that the ravens do from a pressure standpoint and just really turn this thing uh, you know, into something crazy for them and get after Jacoby. Because uh, he ain't the most mobile dude in the world. I mean, he can get around a little bit, uh, but it's, it's not like Lamar. And so, you know, you can, you can maybe really crank the heat up on him and, and, and things could get ugly. So that's what I'm hoping for as a Ravens fan. Uh, we'll see how it goes. Um, any other thoughts on this game that you guys have? Um, other than I should, I should be down there. Uh, mm. No, no more thoughts than that. <laughs> we talked about it's it. It's not too late. It's not too late. If Lamar can do it in fourth quarter, you can do it in the fourth quarter, and you can get to Miami yeah. tonight or tomorrow if it if it comes down to it. I wish I could be like Lamar in that sense, but <laughs> it's not looking good. <laughs> I'm looking more like Kirk Cousins. 
<laughs> oh man, Dang, I, I I would I would be there with you in spirit. I too wish that I could go. Um, not going to make it to the Miami game. Have an opportunity to make it to the Browns game on Sunday Night Football. Watch out for me if they pay in the stands. And you see a guy with a Nick Chubb. <laughs> I'm just joking, y'all. I'm just joking. I don't own a jersey, as, as some people might know, uh, Nick Chubb or otherwise. But, you know, I know I'm going to get a little something that week because, uh, you know, it's probably one of the worst kept secrets that uh, I was by family, uh, a Browns fan from Ohio, uh both sides of my family, my mom's side and my dad's side of the family uh, from Ohio. We were a little bit closer to Cincinnati. We were in Dayton, so we were a little bit closer to Cincinnati. And you thought, you know, okay, well, there might be more Bengals fans. And we had some Bengals fans in the family, but they were mostly Browns fans. And I, I forget, my dad told me why. I'd have to go back and ask him why. I was like, how did that happen? Being, you know, they're, they're probably, I don't know, over an hour away from Cleveland, maybe closer to two hours. Uh, but somehow most of the family <laughs> became Browns fans. And that's kind of how I was raised. But then, of course, the team leaves and, you know, you don't have a team there for a while. Could root for the Bengals. I think a little bit I did. I was kind of watching them a little bit, but just couldn't get into it. And then, you know, all of the not all, but a lot of the Browns players showed up here, you know, on the Ravens, at least, you know, guys that I knew. And so it just kind of was natural to kind of root for those guys. And just over time, you know, sort of became a Ravens fan. But, yeah, is there a part of me that likes for the Browns to do well? Sure, of course. But not against the Ravens. Ravens Let's just get that straight. Let's get that out there. They play each other. I want the Ravens to win. But, yes, there will always be a part of me in my heart. It's my family. They give me a hard time about it. They call me a traitor. Uh, (laughs) Because they're like, you're supposed to come back. You're supposed to come back. When the team came back, you're supposed to come back. We understand, you know, when the team or whatever, when when the the Browns came, they were all back in. They didn't care. They didn't know any of the players. Didn't matter. (laughs) They were all back, you know, and I didn't come all the way back in. So you didn't have the Tim Couch jersey? I did not. I did Did not. But you guys know, because we talk about this in our chat, I'm a big fan of Andrew Barry. I like how he operates. I like how he builds the team. I like how he's built that team, particularly on offense. I think they still got a, some ways to go on some parts of the defense. I mean, look, you can't argue with Miles Garrett. I mean, there's no there's no argument hmm. there. Uh, <laughs> but you know, they they've still got some some other areas on the defense that that they need to uh, you know probably improve. But uh, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. And what was we saw that tweet today where they've got their whole offensive line signed through like the next two, three seasons, something like that. Yeah, uh, that's impressive. That's impressive. So, uh, not turning this into a Browns podcast, <laughs> <laughs> a little bit ahead of myself because we we haven't even played a Dolphins game yet, right? But just hey, I'm excited because I, I got I think I got a pretty good shot to go to that game, and I have not seen the Browns in person. Maybe since now I don't remember. I don't think I, I don't think I've seen them since I left Ohio as a kid. So, you know, a little bit of sentimentality in it for me. But uh, uh, like I like I said in the chat, no matter what happens in the game, you're going to be cheering one way or another. 
Hey, one way or the other. Well, if it goes the other way, I can't. I can't. <laughs> I can't be cheering in there. I don't think that uh, I'm gonna hear the end of that. There's a there's a chance I may go with uh, our buddy from across the pond, James Ogden, and if I'm there with James, he has no allegiances to the Cleveland Browns, so. I can't be there, like cheering for the Browns or whatever. If they mm-hmm. if they happen to to be doing well in that game, but I hope that they don't. For the record, I hope that the Ravens curb stomp them. Uh, but we'll see how that goes. First, we got to play this Dolphins game. Not put to get too far out in front of ourselves. We'll see how this goes. But hey, if you guys, uh, unless you guys have anything else, I think we can we can go ahead and close out the show. I think we're in a pretty good place for right now. Um. Remind everybody, as always, like, subscribe, download. We're looking into some other opportunities. I don't know. Carrie mentioned there could be some deep cover merch somewhere in the future, possibly. You know, So keep your eyes and ears open for that. Uh, that's going to be cool when that, when that comes out. Believe me, you'll see it first. I'll have it either on the background or I'll be wearing it. Or both. Mm-hmm. I have it in the background and be wearing it. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's that's going to be exciting uh, when that comes out. Uh, and hey, maybe you can get something in time for Christmas. Who knows, who knows how this is going to go? Uh, things come together quickly. You just never know. Uh, but as always, we appreciate everybody for listening, for tapping in with us. Uh, you can interact with the show on Twitter at the Pod. And you know, until next time, as always, be good. <laughs>